Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Welcome you in too, and thank you so much for joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Chaz Price and Scott Kirshner. Myself, my name is Chris Swan. 419-794-3030 is the phone number. That's 419-794-3030 online, ARHQ.com. On today's show, what are the takeaways from the bank crisis that we can apply to retirement planning? We're going to talk about how last-minute contributions to an IRA can save on your tax bill and France went crazy when its president raised the retirement age. Is that something that could happen here? We'll discuss all this and more. But first, let me check in with the guys. Scott, Chaz, glad to be with you. How are you? Well, we're doing very well here. Uh, I know spring is upon us. Um, uh, the weather this past week wasn't too bad at all. Counting the days down to the wedding, we have 67 more days until 67. D-Day. So. You know, that's funny. You have like a countdown, right? So, I, you know, I'm... I'm uh, take a little vacation. My wife and I haven't really had any vacations um, over the past uh, couple of years or so, and we're doing a cruise. And I got a little thing on my phone here that counts down the days, uh, mm-hmm. and you've got a countdown for for the wedding day. Yep. So, uh, yeah, good for you. Thanks. Good for you. Good Very decided. valid uh, things that you guys are bringing up. I don't know if, it was, if you guys had planned on this or not, but so many people out there plan for a wedding or plan for a vacation. They spend more time doing that than they do planning for their retirement. Now, of course, Absolutely. when it comes to, to a wedding and, and the marriage, you know, that is, that's obviously the intention for it to go to the distance. When it comes to vacations, we're talking, you know, maybe a two-week vacation at the most, but they spend months upon months. But uh, retirement being the ultimate vacation, how much time have you actually spent uh, planning that? That's something, not just what mm-hmm. you get thinking about, but start putting that plan in action. And again, the number to reach out to the guys here is 419-794-3030 or the website, ARHQ.com. And, and just like with, the day of the wedding and just like with vacations, there's going to be hiccups along the way, like uh, the Fed, <laughs> in the case of retirement, raising interest rates yet again, this time only by a quarter of a point. And uh, while they're hoping to avoid a recession, there was a new survey that found nearly 70% of investors believe there's actually still going to be one this year. And most of them are preparing by cutting their personal spending and increasing their savings. On the other side, uh, others are adjusting their financial plans. So is it time for people to be doing that? Or is this still a stay the course sort of situation? Wow. Well, Chris, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, we all know that um, a recession is a period of uh, economic decline. You know, that's where um, a significant reduction in uh, economic activity, employment rates and a decrease in consumer spending happens. Right. Um, you know, well, we really can't predict when there's going to be, a, you know, a recession and you can't predict what the future is going to hold for us. Chris, I like that term that you said going the distance. I mean, we want the the marriage to go the distance yes. and i think we want your retirement to go the distance too so i'm gonna i'm gonna coin that i'll, I'll pay you a quarter every time i use it now. all right <laughs> but um so the recession i think it's important to know what we define a recession as uh, scott is correct it definitely represents a period of time when there's just a, a lot of slack in the economy and people are out of work uh, people typically spend less but uh, technically, a recession is defined as two consecutive negative mm-hmm. quarters of gross GDP. So I, I think some folks might even say that we're in a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a, a couple big factors that I think are contributing to the risk of recession that's got everybody on ease on, on edge. And one of them for sure is the risk of f- future rising interest rates. 
Last week, we were all pretty much tuned to the TV here in the office, just waiting to see what uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell was going to say, whether or not they were going to take interest rates up again, or if they were going to pause or maybe even reverse course and take mm-hmm. interest rates back down again because of what we saw in the financial sector, you know, all the, the bank trials and tribulations. And so uh, that is a significant risk. I mean, Jerome Powell made no bones about the fact that, yes, um, we see and we recognize the issues in the banking sector, but inflation is still our primary mandate. We're still very concerned, and we think that inflation over the long term does more damage than uh, financial crisis in the banking sector. So, you know, he, he pretty much said we stand ready to help, but Ultimately, if the banks fail or are having trouble, it's kind of their own fault, you know, because sure. they've been so risky and they've been over leveraged. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in a later segment. But I think definitely interest rates is an issue. Uh, also, uh, we've been seeing the, tra- the trade tensions between China mm-hmm. and the United States starting to um, decline. You know, they, they've withered away a little bit. And so China, global trade tensions and just policies and procedures between the two countries are deteriorating. So I think that's leading to a little bit of a risk of a recession and that China is the world's global manufacturer. So we want to keep an eye out for that as well. And then also unemployment. So we've talked in previous segments about not having enough workers, Mm -hmm. restaurants, you know, those sort of those industries, there's still a lot of unemployment out there. I know the numbers say that unemployment is at a historical low, but I think in some cases it's people are underemployed and they sure. only track really whether you have a job or not. Um, but I, I know a lot of, of folks are going back to work, um, trying to get jobs, uh, but maybe a little underemployed. So unemployment, rising interest rates, global trade tensions, I think are some things that are gonna affect recession. Sure, you know, Chaz, I think a lot of people, um, people like like us that are in this business, and, and uh, you know, Chris, you're in the business, and the people like us kinda follow this. We need to stay, uh, you know, up on top of what's happening out there. But there's a lot of people that really don't understand that, you know, how does China come into play with this, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people don't really quite get that. So I hear what you're saying. Um, what can we do? I mean, what what, what advice do you give in, in, to people and what can we do to actually maybe try to prevent a recession mm-hmm. on, on a personal level? Preventing a recession obviously is, is tough because a lot of the, of the policies are coming down from the top. Mm-hmm. And sure. the Fed has to make some decisions again about whether or not they're gonna continue to raise interest rates, they're gonna pause or stall and maybe just wait until the economy's on a little bit more stable footing. But for us, particularly as consumers, um, and I may even defer this one back to you, but there, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do um, in during a recession. And I think the first one that usually comes to mind is kind of tightening up the belt a little bit. Sure. Spending less, you know, and, and particularly with retirees, a lot of our listeners here, healthcare costs, I think, are one of the bigger expenses that someone's going to have. So, I mean, I'm going to kick it back to you, Scott, and say, what are some of the ways that people can actually reduce the cost of health care and medical services? Well, yeah, that's that's a big thing to always, uh, you know, on the, on the forefront of everybody's mind is how can I cut and reduce some of the costs that I'm spending in health care? You know, when you enter into retirement, if you're 65 years or older, you've got, uh, you know, health care, you're going to have to pay a, a premium, a, a monthly premium for Part B all the time, right? But some of the things you can do is is really make sure that you're comparing your prices for, for the medical services that you're paying for, right? Mm-hmm. 
And that's what you do for our clients. There's no question. And you also want to make sure that, you know, whatever uh, supplemental plans or advantage plans, whatever you choose is going to be the best option for you. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of these events and some of the events that I did over the past couple of weeks had some people coming in and, and uh, they said, well, you know, I really like what you said, but I want to hear more about my plan because I, I dialed that 800 number that you see on TV and nobody really explained anything. So this is a way for for people to come in and kind of get a review of, of their of their um, their insurance. But here's some really key points. Try to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Try to be proactive and try not to utilize your health benefits, right? If you've got a higher deductible plan, and it doesn't necessarily have to be on Medicare, right? If you have a higher deductible plan, try to adopt that healthy lifestyle. I know everybody wants to do that. Mm -hmm. It's easier said than done, you know, but, um, you know, preventative services, utilize the preventative care and preventative services that these uh, insurance plans have. Like a wellness visit? Like a wellness visit, yes. You know, a lot of employers offer incentives for people mm -hmm. to actually go and get their, um, their well checks and things like that. So staying on top of that, try to stay healthy stay you know the old antigen uh, an apple a day keeps mm -hmm. the doctor away well that's literally that's literally yeah you know take care of yourself and, and schedule your um, annual checkups your well checks and make sure that you're staying on top you know do the screenings make sure that there's none nothing that's gonna you know blow you up your mm -hmm. your your uh, um, uh, retirement plan if you've got some unforeseen thing if you can prevent those things from happening then you're gonna save uh, you know a great deal of time and money when when that time comes mm -hmm. and hopefully avoid a lot of heartache down the line when when you know you do find yourself maybe having to tighten those those purse strings. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, as they say. And that not just in the, the healthcare area, but also when it comes to the market. We can't control uh, if and when a recession is going to happen. We can't control what the Fed is going to be doing with interest rates. And, and you know, last year, Jerome Powell went pretty much on the record and said, market be damned. We're going to try to get inflation under control. Mm -hmm. and, uh, is he being successful? Are they being successful that? Well, we still have yet to see. But uh, if science seems to be pointing to market downturn, what prevention are you putting in right now to to avoid uh, what could be coming down the line, if not this year, at some point over the course of your retirement? Well, speak with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters and figure out the steps that you need to take for your particular circumstances, because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Your circumstances, your retirement. And here's the number you need to call, 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030, or you can go to the website, ARHQ.com. Actually, if you click on the events tab on the website, ARHQ.com, uh, you can find a, a list of the, the events coming up, including another uh, Medicare workshop that Scott's got coming up uh, in Perrysburg. You can get more information, including how to go and reserve your seats. That is at ARHQ.com. You know, competition is usually a good thing, but right now, while the stock market is feeling the pain of retirement saving savers seeking an alternative to all this volatility, a little competition on their side, Here's analyst Larry McDonald and portfolio manager Adam Johnson on Fox Business. $10 million in cash today generates $510,000 a year in treasuries, in one, you know, one year treasuries. Think about that. A year ago, you're talking that this was $70,000. What you're saying, Larry, if I'm hearing you right, that the average investor is smart enough to recognize there's now a choice between stocks and bonds. So that average investor is going to say, I'm going to sell my stocks and I'm going to go buy bonds and just make 5%. Well, but let's talk about that. Is 5% enough growth to sustain a retirement portfolio or do people need to be seeking something even more? Well, I don't know, Chaz. So you and I may dis differ here, right? You know, 5% to me, I don't think 5% is enough, especially mm -hmm. with, you know, the things I see with, you know, the, the possibility of health care and, and the cost of all of that. I truly don't believe the 5% rate is enough. 5% to me, you know, over the years of doing this for 
umpteen, 20 years, one of the questions that I'll generally ask in a financial planning discovery meeting is, what's your number? You know, and what I mean by that, I kind of get a, a little bit of a questioning look, but people generally, I feel, have a number in the back of their mind that they would be satisfied with if they could get on a, on a regular basis. And generally, it's usually like right around five. Sometimes I'll get a client that'll say, yeah, I'd, I'd really love 10, but, you know, satisfied, not necessarily ecstatic. So I think conceptually, um, 5% is a good realistic return expectation for the market, uh, for your retirement savings. You know, if you have a well-diversified portfolio, I think that's definitely a return that you could achieve pretty easily. Yeah. 5%. That, I don't think that that's a number for me. And there may be a lot of listeners out there that think the same thing. Do you feel or do you think that because of the way the, the market and the economy and the way things are going today, I'm just happy to get 5%. I met with a client um, uh, just this past week, mm -hmm. and um, he's really, really perplexed. He's just overload on what to do with some of his money. He lost a great deal because of this, you know, the market. So he's putting, he's happy with anything over 4%. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the market has actually driven this where people are more content with, man, if I could just get 5%, mm -hmm. I'd be happy. You know, I always thought, if I ever won the lottery, what am I gonna do with all that money? You know, yeah. I'm gonna put money away, I'm gonna invest it. My magic number was somewhere between eight, eight to 10%. Okay. And we're not there. Yeah. That's a lot of the time, too, one of the, the things that we caution investors on that are doing it themselves is they, they see these average rates of return. Um, and average is just simply that. It's you add up all the occurrences and divide by the number. But it doesn't actually take into consideration the sequence of those returns. Mm -hmm. And so when you do the calculation, we do this at all of our events. Uh, generally, we'll teach people the difference between uh, an average rate of return and a real rate of return. The average rate of return is that number that you see that you kind of brag about at cocktail parties and you know, yeah. clients say, oh, I got a 10 or 15%. My guy's doing, my gal's doing 15%. But really, what was the dollar amount that your money experienced? Because you, know, you could be up you know, 100% in one year and get zero sure. you know, the next and still have the same averages if somebody hit 50% every year in two, for two consecutive years. And most people would say, yeah, I'd prefer the 50% you know, consecutively versus those high highs and those low lows. And so, you know, I get what you're saying. 5% uh, historically, you know, is a little under the market's average, but you're right. The market has kind of set the expectation that you, you got to, you know, my mom would say get while the getting's good. And oh, yeah. I think these bond rates right now are a real alternative. It, cash stands on its own right now. It is an asset class that you cannot overlook. If I can get a 5% on a money market and lock it in, sure. a lot of people I think are happy with that. Well, they've seen the the, the downside of it. Mm -hmm. They've seen like, um, you know, I, I, like we've talked before about the health savings accounts for, for health insurance, right? You know, banks are paying 0 0.005 and you can get uh, a money market. I know uh, we have the opportunity to get some people some money market funds that are earning, um, you know, in, in excess of 4%. Well. 0 0.005 and then you go four point something or other that's a lot better and mm -hmm. a lot of people are happy with that but what about the unforeseen expenses like healthcare yeah. costs and long-term care i mean long-term care is not covered by medicare so you've got to take in that into account as well yeah. how do i how do i you know the independent income system separates money in different buckets mm -hmm. for different things how am i happy with five percent yeah so I think that you bring up the main point here is that 
you're, th- you're talking about inflation and the purchasing sure. power over time of your money eroding, meaning you, your dollars are going to buy less goods and services in the future, particularly so in the healthcare space. I think everybody agrees that healthcare costs are increasing you know, exponentially. I think the average rate in our financial planning uh, projections that we use for inflation in general is about three, but for healthcare, we use seven. Okay. And so that's a good point. And so I, I guess the takeaway here I would have is that this is the, the reason why we, we recommend you really look at your long-term care and your health plan because those unforeseen expenses like a long-term care stay, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not planning for those, if you haven't started saving early enough or had a plan in place, you're gonna, that is the one area where I would agree that 5% is not gonna make it. Uh, You're gonna need closer to seven or eight or even more to try to keep up with the cost of inflation. Um, But you know, the other point I make is that I've talked to a lot of folks about retirement planning and many times they're not, you know, they're just uh, really interested in being able to meet that required minimum distribution. Sure. So if you're not familiar, the required minimum distribution is the amount of money that age 73 currently, you have to start taking out of your IRAs, all of your tax deferred investments like your 401ks. And the sensibility that I have with managing those retirement distributions is that if I can create an income that is equal to or greater than the required amount of money that the government's gonna make you take out, where we don't have to send, sell any of our principal sure. and I can just generate dividends and income. Most people would say that's a, a pretty good strategy and that my corpus, my principal stays intact. I'm just living mm-hmm. off the interest. Right. And so that's kind of where we get that 5% withdrawal. The first year of your required minimum distribution is about four. So we're, we're meeting that okay. and then some. Uh, keeps our principal intact, allows us to stay invested during sure. tough times, and it meets the minimum requirement from the government. You know, and you think about it, 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 somebody at 70, I think it's what, 73 now, where you have to start taking your RMDs, you know, somebody at 73, uh, by then they're probably pretty well set with their their monthly in, in expenses. They have a pretty good budget put in place by then, right? Exactly. And um, if you figure out a way to cover my RMDs where I'm not losing any principal and that number is five, uh, I guess I guess I get that, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that makes perfect sense to me, yeah. right? So I guess there's pros and cons to both concepts. You know, obviously, everybody wants to make as much money as possible, and if they can get that 8 to 10%, you know, amen. But um, I think um, a lot of people are satisfied with the 4 to 5 at this point. Yeah, I mean, we've had meetings just recently where a client said, hey, we need a guy. You know, we're really concerned mm-hmm. about retirement. Absolutely. We don't have a whole lot saved, you know. But when I went through those numbers and actually did the financial plan and we projected a very conservative four and a half, five percent interest rate, um, the client had 100% probability of success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was so surprised. And I said, "That's Mary, that's because you don't have any debt. You've paid right. everything off. You have very little expenses your income plus the 4% withdrawal for required minimums meets all your needs and it's all relative. So 5% may be good for most, but for some may need to either save more, spend less, retire later. We can help you answer those questions. And honestly, it's really all about shifting that mindset from the working world when you're trying to accumulate and accumulate. Obviously, if you were making 5% in 2014, you're not doing a very great job. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy to throw money back then and, you know, just, just, hand over fist, do well. But in the times we're here right now, 5% is actually <laughs> far better than what a lot of people are getting out there. And and as you enter into retirement, as you know, continuing that 2014 analogy, we're now nine years, hopefully older and wiser, but certainly closer to retirement. And it is about preserving what you've accumulated and not 
taking major setbacks like, you know, a 20% correction, a 30% correction, things like that. It's all about preservation and distribution. That is what retirement is. And that is why the name of the show is America's Retirement Headquarters. That is why it is the Retirement Guys formula. It's to take these things into account, help you shift that mindset and create a plan to, again, <laughs> I have to pay myself a quarter here, Chaz, to go the mm-hmm. distance you in go. your retirement. <laughs> Here's how you get started. Start developing that plan. 419-794-3030. It's the number. Once again, 419-794-3030. You can also go to the website, schedule a time, always available, arhq.com. Uh, the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and several others so certainly shocked investors, but it's got me wondering, guys, are there some takeaways from this banking crisis that people can apply to retirement planning? So to be clear, SVB wasn't diversified. It was kind of concentrated in the, in the Silicon Valley uh, specialized in startups, um, you know, real aggressive tech companies generally. Mm-hmm. So by nature, they were more aggressive. They also didn't have a great emergency fund. Uh, so, you know, not having the appropriate savings in place and emergency liquidity, like we talked about, Jerome Powell said, yeah, it's kind of your fault. You know, I get that we did some interest rate increases, but you got to have the liquidity to, to weather the storm. And risk just wasn't well managed. And I think this is a a concern or kind of um, a little known nuance of the banking sector. I think people in general think that banks are very conservative, just right. in nature. But what people don't know is that because they're stock held, in many cases controlled by their shares of stock that you, that you can own, the investors really want the banks to take more risk because they're protected through FDIC insurance. And so um, this is what happens when they take that, yeah. you know, that stockholder sort of philosophy and mentality to heart and do everything they can to uh, prop up, you know, the stock price versus actually taking a look at the community and what it does to a bank failure into the system. So, but I digress. But there are some takeaways I think we could all learn from uh, a situation like SVB. And the first is again risk management, and. You know, a lot of banks do have very robust risk management practices, but you can see when things aren't followed or when there's they, they miss some things. And so I think it's important uh, that you're if you're listening and you're not sure what your risk tolerance is, if you if you've never had a risk assessment done by your advisor, give us a call here at America's Retirement Headquarters and we'll let you know very simply what your speed limit is. You've heard Nolan mm-hmm. and I talk Absolutely. about your risk number. Uh, that's exactly what we get of our, give our clients. And conceptually, it makes a lot of sense in that it's similar to the speed at which you're driving a car you feel comfortable with, maybe uh, might have some correlations with that. The other thing is uh, being diversified. Again, not having all of your eggs in one basket. SVB Bank was a, a great example of you know, working only with one particular client, mm-hmm. uh, the Silicon Valley tech startups, you want to be diversified in your investment approach as well. And I think having some insurance in place, I mean, we're, as investors, we don't have the FDIC insurance, you know, necessarily backing us. We certainly do have banks and the, you know, we have bank accounts that are protected through FDIC. You have Securities Investor Protection Corporation. But, you know, I don't know if I'm, I feel comfortable with that. You know, I want to. I don't want to rely on a government agency to bail us out all the time. Yeah, because we don't have that. I mean, yeah. we as investors in, in bank, I mean, we're not the investors, but the depositors in the bank, we're only insured to a certain amount. We don't have, I mean, the banks are covered. Right. But we don't have, you know, the FDIC in our back pocket. Exactly. And that doesn't protect you in the stock price dropping. So if you right. own a bunch of stock and, yeah, your bank deposits are, are protected, but what about your stock? So I think having your own insurance 
plan. You know, not necessarily sure. insurance um, is what you might think about it, but having some emergency cash set aside and investing in investments that aren't tied to the stock market, that have a principal guarantee that you know, worst case scenario, the money's going to be there regardless of who's in office or what bank failed or whatnot. And then the other point that I think we could all take away, which I really liked from the Fed, was that they made a very decisive, very uh, direct um, decision. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there was no parlance about, well, we kind of got to see who wants to buy who. No, the president came out the next day and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to back depositors. You're going to be fine. Right. So I think if you can take anything away from this calamity as an investor, it's know your risk, be diversified, have your own insurance or your rainy day fund or your worst case scenario right. and plan, and either be willing to take uh, decisive action yourself or have an advisor or an advisory team that's willing to do it on your behalf. And we have the tools and the technology and honestly the talent to kind of be that person for you, uh, whether it be our circuit breaker technology or the independent income system that right. is a proprietary method that we use to determine how much you need in each one of those buckets. Not just learning from your own mistakes, but learning from the mistakes of others. And so some mm -hmm. questions you should ask yourself, certainly, you know, are you diversified? Do you have an emergency fund? And how are you as far as risk management goes? If you don't know the answers to these, you're not sure, or you just want a second set of eyes on them. I think it could do a lot of wonders to have a conversation with the team at America's retirement headquarters. Here's how you do so. 419-794-3030. Let them show you before it becomes a much bigger issue down the line. 419-794-3030. Or go to the website, ARHQ.com. Guys, I want you to listen to what a new study found. People are 50% more likely to listen to the advice of friends and family over a professional or an expert in the field. Do you have clients that started out their retirement planning this way who came to you and, and were using the advice of you know, their neighbors or things like that. What made them change their mind uh, after they spoke with you? So, you know, this is like a social proof concept, right? Yeah. Um, I, I run into this a lot. In fact, when I do my presentations, I talk about this very thing. Uh, so this is actually the titling it or the, the naming it, okay, is, is something that I don't know. They name everything these days. Mm -hmm. But this is something I had to do a little bit of research on to kind of get an idea so we could throw some questions back and forth on this. I run into it all the time. But what, what do you run into? What have you heard about social proof concept? Yeah. So social proof concept is kind of um, a concept that was be developed back in the 1980s. And it basically refers to wisdom of friends. And it's basically the influence that other people have on our decision making. And, you know, it, it's even worse now, I think, uh, when, it, when it comes to like social media, oh, yeah. you know, when, when you see something, you know, how easy is it to start rumors and fake news or whatnot, you know, um, and on social media, because it's just so prevalent, everybody's on it and you just automatically believe it. Oh yeah. Well, on social media, I mean, you know, uh, Facebook, we all know how that works, right? Mm -hmm. You actually will have some, uh, an, uh, an article pop up and two or three of your friends like this, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what are the, what is the first thing we think of? Well, gosh, if they like it, then it must. So I jump on it and right. come to find out they didn't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. It was the algorithm and in the way that they are tagging and jumping on and the phone listens to everything everybody says. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if social media has really put out there the fact that if 
Chaz Price likes something and Chaz is one of my friends, mm-hmm. well, then if Chaz likes it, I must ha- I have to like it too. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think there's definitely some issue with that. Uh, I mean, we've seen time and time again, uh, some of the big name social media companies are constantly trying to, to defend themselves in those algorithms about, you know, h- how it's affecting youth and people in general. Um, even there was, a, a, you know, an issue w- with a company um, not headquartered in the United States about having access to info and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the implications that social media has. But I think they're definitely have uh, some implications in when it comes to retirement planning, particularly with investment decisions. So you've heard of the kind of the concept where everybody runs to one side of the boat. Right. And they hear about a good stock option and it influences the decisions of a lot of people. Um, so I think retirees may be a little bit more likely to do that. Um, you know, more so uh, just because they may have more time to kind of research mm-hmm. and, and spend time looking at social media and the news and just are influenced by what they see maybe other people doing. The other thing is uh, lifestyle choices. So social proof can also impact your lifestyle choices. So sure. th- the, you know, keeping up with the Joneses sort of mentality mm-hmm. where everybody has went on these expensive vacations, but we haven't. Um, everybody's purchased new cars. This is really one of the major risks that we talk about in retirement planning in the early stages of retirement because of this social proof concept that it seems like everybody on social media is going on these awesome vacations, but I'm not going anywhere. Let me go ahead and spend this sure. and, and try to keep up with everybody. So don't get caught, you know, caught into that. It's an extremely important, it's a fun time early right. in retirement, but it's dangerous because you can easily overspend and social proof definitely helps contribute to that. And also, uh, you and I have talked about this a lot, but retirement timing, mm-hmm. when everybody in your neighborhood is retired and you're still going to work and you just think, well, yeah, might as well retire. All my friends, you know, I don't have any friends anymore. So they're, they're all retired. And so the people that are in your social circle that are retiring at a certain age, you may feel the pressure to want to do that even if it's not the best decision or the best timing for you. So what I'm hearing from you is uh, I don't, I'm not really sure that I'm picking up whether you think it's a good or a bad mm-hmm. thing. I think your feeling is not the best thing, Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to follow, you know, I refer to it as being sheep, you know, following mm-hmm. the herd, you know. I, I think it can be helpful in certain search situations. Like I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the internet or the ability to make our lives easier and and or to get advice from people. I think, mm-hmm. especially in this industry, we found that, you know, working with people that are referred to the, to the organization, sure. that's some of the most rewarding work that I do is because, you know, we're fortunate to be independent. So we can help the clients that we want to help and the clients that we think we can help. And so working with people just like the clients we work with right now is really a rewarding way. And it's a way that, um, we can enjoy what we're doing because we're working with the people that we want. So, um, you know, kind of like contractors and, mm-hmm. and referrals oh, yeah, and helping, you know, find things that other people are using, I think makes a lot of sense. But I don't like the crowd herd mentality that the social proof concepts kind of, um, you know, sometimes lead retirees to. And so, you know, it's just important that you be aware that that influence is out there as a retiree. And, to make the decisions again that are best for you. And if you don't know where you stand financially as an individual, and you don't have the time or the interest in doing some of the research and some of the work that that I know is required in order to make sure that 
you have a comfortable retirement, give us a call. It doesn't yeah, cost you anything at all. And it's um, a great opportunity. We're not, you know, I've joked around, um, but if you want to work with someone that has the heart of an educator, you know, not necessarily a salesperson, I think that's really where we shine and where we're different. Oh, there's no question. You know, I run into this a lot with the, uh, you know, the events that I do, and I make sure that I stress out to everybody that I do educational events as not a sales presentation. Well, one of the things I do in my um, in my presentations all the time is, you know, you don't really want to get upset with uh, friends, family, but one of the things I always say is, how many of you have had a friend, a relative, co-workers, or even your employer say, when you turn 65, you must sign up for Medicare. If you don't, there are penalties. And here's what I tell them. Smile, nod your head, and thank them because they mean well. Mm -hmm. And then forget everything that they've told you. Yeah. Because they really don't know what fits your needs and your specific needs. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I agree with you, Chaz. I think it's a way to get information to help you. You know, I can't tell you how many clients come in and they'll ask me, well, I've got a neighbor that has this plan and they said uh, this, this, this happened. Or I talked to another advisor and he says I should buy a supplement, stay away from Advantage plans. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good thing to get some information, educate yourself, go out and, and learn more. Mm -hmm. So when you do sit down, whether they come in and meet with myself or you or, or anybody else here at our team, at least you have some good questions to ask with some different scenarios. And one of the things we do is we go through those scenarios with you and, and make it a lot clearer. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I think I, I think it's good to listen to other people and give some advice, but then make your own decisions. It's kind of like that famous George Carlin quote, if I can actually, the one I can actually use on the radio, yeah, right. is a, a lot of people uh, don't know what they're talking about, and a lot of them are really good at it too. So, right. You know, it's kind of akin to, uh, let's say that you've got a, a, a cough or maybe something, a weird bump on your arm or something, and you go online, you know, you go to those, those websites and, and you look and you kind of, See what it could be. Don't take that. Don't be like my wife. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. But don't uh, don't make that the law of the land and say, well, I've got X, Y, or Z. The next step after that is going to a professional who can actually, you know, either uh, say, yes, that is what it is. Or no, these are other factors in play as it pertains to your particular circumstances and not what a website or a neighbor or something. It's a good place to start. But you want something fine-tuned for you at the end of the day to go back to what you guys were saying about keeping up with your Joneses. Only time that matters if your last name is Jones. If that's the case, keep up with your own retirement because that's what you're going to be dealing with for the next 20, 30 years. You and the team at America's Retirement Headquarters, let them help you. Give a call, 419-794-3030. You heard them mention the educational events they do throughout the year. You can actually see the list of the upcoming events at ARHQ.com. Just click on the events tab. France has certainly been in the news lately. Its president recently raised the country's retirement age from 62 to 64. He argued it was necessary to save France's pension system. And the fact that he did it without legislative vote uh, spurred massive protests. So you have to wonder, and, and could the same thing happen here in America when it comes to Social Security? Or is this something we should do like the government has and just kick that can down the road and say, I'll worry about that later? Well, you know, actually, 62 is, is young. Mm -hmm. I mean, over in France, I, I know, you know, I've never been, but um, 
um, our retirement age has always been like 65. Yes, you can retire anytime you want. Mm-hmm. And you can actually take Social Security at 62. Obviously, we've talked about that at nauseum, whether that's the good, bad, or the indifferent way to do it. You know, And I've heard you and, and Nolan talk a lot about Social Security system and running out of money. And, and the talk is all over the place saying that in 2023, Social Security system is going to go broke. And they talk about Medicare and Social Security system being broke. Um, me personally... I think by the time um, you know, maybe even you and and um, you know my son, I think I think they're going to bump that age maybe even up to seventy. I've heard talk mm-hmm. about it. Uh, what's your opinions on that, Chaz? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, if you really want to make somebody mad and, and start a, <laughs> a a riot and talk about taking their social security or right. making them have to wait even longer, so politically, you know, I don't personally think that's going to be a viable option. Um, I mean, or at least I should say that probably is one of the more um, acceptable political options. It certainly isn't going to be something where someone's going to, by 2033, have a reduction in their benefits of 25 percent. It's generally those are the two main competing solutions to correcting the Social Security problem, which we know exists. We we know I've been knowing for 20 years, you know, after we're doing uh, case studies on it in my uh, MBA class about what's going to happen with Social Security. So. I think it's definitely a solution, and I, I think it's actually, you know, like everything else we talk about, there's pros and cons, but this one does have some staying power, and I think one of the main pros to extending the age at which you can collect Social Security is, again, is that it could definitely shore up the gap, you know, and there's a significant gap there. We recognize that, but creating, um, you know, pushing the the date out a little bit, I think is going to give us a significant amount of um, stability. You know, it would help, you know, definitely the long-term sure. prospects for the plan. Well, that makes perfect sense. But what's actually going to happen for those people that are relying on it mm-hmm. as, you know, a piece of their retirement? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing. I, I always say with different types of funds and, you know, um, kind of like the independent income system, it's, a, it's not the whole pie. It's a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Well, what about those people that are actually relying on Social Security to actually retire? Won't that be a lot harder for them? Yeah. That's a significant challenge. That's definitely a, a concern. And, um, you know, I've mentioned in the past, I think the average American has only about $10,000 saved for retirement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look at the what Social Security really is, we, we try to make people, before they make that decision, change their paradigm from looking at it as far as a paycheck to an asset. Sure. Meaning if I were going to offer you $700,000 right now, you'd probably pay attention. You'd probably do a lot more introspective and mm-hmm. in, in just you know and just planning to make sure you were able to get that money. If I said it's between five hundred and seven hundred thousand dollars, you're going to pay attention. But when they hear seventeen hundred dollars a month, they're like, "Yeah, I'll just take it." You know, let's start it. And so, um, changing the paradigm shift, making sure that you recognize the value it is for everybody, but particularly, yeah, you're correct for the the person that relies on Social Security more so uh, than any other financial asset, it's uh, increasing the retirement age could make it a lot harder on a lot of people if that truly is the case where the average American has only about $10,000 saved. So it's going to delay their retirement, definitely. And, you know, this is something that I've seen just in being in business. We work with a lot of first responders. We, sure. I have a few clients that are uh, uh, police and fire. I have a you know fire chief um, who was happy to get out because you know, had a great career, but just physically demanding uh, on their bodies, even 
you know, GM workers and, and just regular factory workers standing on concrete sure. nurses, for instance. I didn't think about this, but I mentioned mm-hmm. that in, in my mom is a nurse. And she's like, yeah, standing on your feet in concrete all day long is not good on your body. So for those workers, particularly, Scott, that have physically demanding jobs that they can't work at physically any longer, Mm -hmm. delaying Social Security eligibility is going to be a big deal for them. You know, I met with a client last week, and um, he went to one of my events. He comes in, and, um, you know, we were talking about that. And he was really, really educated himself on um, Social Security. He knew exactly where he was and where he stood and why. And and he said exactly what a lot of people say. You know what? By gosh, I've paid into Social Security. I'm taking it. And, um, you know, he's not 62. He's Mm going to be 65. But but here's something else. And I know we've talked a lot about this when it comes down to, you know, the question is, should I take Social Security or not? Um, We ask about genetics. Mm -hmm. And he said, I didn't even ask him the question. He said, you know, my dad passed away at 57 years old. My mom passed away at 59 years old. I've got a brother that passed away, and he wasn't 60 yet. And, and um, he says, so far, I'm at a point where I'm 65 years old. I've passed all of them, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel pretty good at this point. And um, he knew exactly the reasons why he should or shouldn't take it. And I actually mentioned to him, I says, well, you know, Chaz, I work with Chaz a lot. And if Chaz were to come in here right now and you said the things that you said, he would advise you to take Social Security, Mm -hmm. you know, right now and start collecting on it because... Um, you know, he never, he doesn't know he mm-hmm. could, you know, with his family genetics, he could be uh, sitting on a ticking time bomb, you know, and he said, also, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy my job. If, unless they really crank me off and, and, uh, give me something that I don't like to do, I continue, I'm planning on continuing to work a little bit longer, mm-hmm. you know? So for people that are able to work, like you said, you know, your mom with being a nurse and on her feet a lot, if you're able to work. And, uh, you know, 70 may not be a big deal. You know, the saving grace is if that did happen, if and certainly not, you know, paying benefits out. I know that's that's not going to work. But it, when you look at the budget, Social Security and entitlement programs and Medicaid, Medicare are half the budget. Yeah. The other part is aerospace and defense. So there's not a whole lot of room that they can cut there. If that does come down to it, you have to wonder what they would. But. Uh, outside of that, if they simply just extend retirement benefits for Social Security for a few years, that could actually benefit the economy. Mm-hmm. It could actually be a boost to the economy because think about that's just that much longer of people paying into the 401k and staying invested and um, you know just staying on their jobs longer, paying into the Social Security sure. system. So might benefit younger employees or younger workers as well. So you know, again, there's just a lot of variability surrounding Social Security decision making, um, both at the government level and at a personal level. It's a very complex issue. So it's one you definitely want to work with an advisor on to get it right. And because you can't control what the government is going to do, you know, when it comes to Social Security, all the more reason for you to make sure that you get your claiming strategy correct. It's a paradox, right? The people who need the money, the people who would benefit the most from claiming at 62. And I'm not talking about the ones who are fearful of the solvency of it. The people who actually need the money are the ones who could benefit the most from a larger benefit. But by doing just that, by claiming early, they're going to see a reduction in benefit. But it is a complicated thing. That's why there's hundreds upon hundreds of different ways to claim Social Security. You want to make sure you figure out uh, the best one that's going to work for you and your spouse. And again, I want to remind you, the good people at the Social Security office, and I do mean that, the people who do that, uh, they are not allowed to give you advice on that. You want to make sure you figure that out ahead of time and that's all part of the, the plan that the team at America's Retirement Headquarters helps you with to get started, figure out what's going to work best for you. 
419-794-3030 or online, arhq.com. Now, of course, when you retire, the paycheck stops. Well, does it have to? How will you cover your monthly living expenses? Morningstar interviewed Carrie Pector, editor of the Retirement Income Journal. The simplest approach is just to figure out what it's going to cost you a month to live, figure out what you're going to get in Social Security, take the difference, and then you have to think about how can I make that difference? How can I bridge that gap in a way that's palatable to me and that gives me the protection from risk that makes me feel secure so that I'm not sitting there watching CFDC every night and wondering whether I'm going to run out of money when I get older. This can be tricky because accumulating wealth is one thing. Building income from that wealth is a whole other thing. You know, you've got pensions, maybe Social Security. Uh, how, do we, how do we build paychecks in retirement? Is this where an annuity can come into play? You know, um, that's a great question. In fact, um, Chaz, I know, you know, I've been in this retirement in um, a system here for 30 years working with retired people and, and um, with Medicare and talk about Social Security and that. And I listen to a lot of your events that you and Nolan do. And, and um, you know, when we talk about Social Security um one of the things you always do is you talk about the reasons why you want to put off taking Social Security as long as possible. And, you know, it's it's funny in that, um, you know, Carrie mentioned uh, bridging the gap. And that's one thing I always tell you guys that, you know, when you ask me, so what do you think? How did the event go? I said, one thing that I think is awesome is the way that you guys talk about putting off taking Social Security. And then you explain how you bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important part is explaining to people how do you bridge that gap and generate that income if I'm putting off taking other resources. Yeah. Explain how you guys do that. Yeah, and that's a good question. Good good point there. And, and it really, um, it depends, obviously. But this business, as you know, is not just numbers and, um, you know, spreadsheets and things like that, there's a little bit of an art form to it. Sure. You know? And so that is where I think it, it plays into us being able to know that those strategies exist about bridging the gap, but, you know, looking at health issues and, and longevity, your retirement goals and some things, and, you know, developing a personal financial situ- personal financial plan that's going to have a combination of Social Security other passive income sources, maybe rental income, investments, dividends, and stocks. So it really all depends. Uh, but yeah, those definitely are some of the, the main questions that people have about the gap because it just doesn't make sense. Right, right. You know, how am I going to cover that gap? Right. One of the things that I've run into uh, over the past couple of weeks is, um, uh, you know, some people have asked me, well, how do you, how do you cover that gap? You know, mm-hmm. what kind of tools or resources do you use to cover that gap? What, and a lot of people that I'm talking to are talking about annuities again. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, it's, it's almost cyclical, right? Yep. They talk about annuity. Tell me a little bit about what you tell people about annuities. Is that an option where mm-hmm. people should actually consider using to bridge that gap for income? Absolutely. So in, annuities are kind of like saying car. I've said that in the past. It's that there's just so many different types, so many features, bells and whistles. Uh, For the most part, annuities fall into two categories, Scott. We've got the fixed and then we've got the variable. And in in both cases, the annuity has a component that would allow you to draw income for the rest of your life. You cannot outlive it. That's the payout phase. During the accumulation phase, an annuity, which is just simply an insurance product, Mm -hmm. works very similar to every other type of investment account you might be more familiar with. So if it's a fixed product, like a savings or a CD or something that has a fixed interest rate, you'll get a fixed com- uh, fixed 
credit to your account value if there's gains. Uh, whereas if it's variable, which we're all very familiar with, it goes up and goes down. So the annuity, it, it does have the main ability to pay a lifetime income like a pension or Social Security. But the ones that we recommend also have the ability to protect. And I think that's one of the main features uh, about them is that they're so diverse. They have so many different capabilities that it covers a lot of ground uh, with one single product. So annuities are a good thing. I mean, they can be a good thing, right? We're to the right I person. Mean, it's to the right person. Uh, just like in what I do, everybody's individual needs are, are, are different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, an annuity is a tool that you use on a regular basis. It's, a, you know, part of that independent income Correct. system. That's one of the, like I said earlier, that's one of the pieces of the investment pie, right? Yeah, Would you it, not agree? Exactly. And it's usually perfectly designed for that uh, five to seven to 10 year bucket. We generally, a quick overview of the independent income system, we've got money for the first one to three years, three to five, five to 10, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So we have about six different buckets of money and that annuity is perfect for that five to seven year time frame because uh, it does generally have some timed maturity. There's a period of time when you can't access 100% of the money, but in many cases, like we talked about, you don't want to completely cash out your investments all at once. You want to have a steady income stream. And I think that's one of the paradigm shifts that people start to learn as they are transitioning from that growth stage, as Chris was talking about earlier, where my, my goals are based on um, just accumulating as much wealth as I can mm -hmm. to now converting that wealth into reliable income streams that you cannot outlive sure. so that the bills are paid, the lights are on, food's on the table, you know, kids are taken care of. If maybe we have to hold off on making a trip or doing that big expense or that impro improvement a year or two, that's fine. But you're never going to lose the game by having guaranteed sources of income like Social Security, pensions, mm -hmm. rental, uh, dividends, and annuity income that meets your guaranteed source of expense. Sure. Especially if you can have that guaranteed income covering your monthly expenditures, not talking about uh, you know, vacations and things like that. But your your day to days, your bills, your uh, you know your normal healthcare expenses, quote unquote normal. We talked about long term care earlier. If you can do that, then you know you can have money tied to the market and and realize that the fluctuation of it isn't going to jeopardize your day to day. Finding that right balance for you all comes down to <laughs> sound like a broken record here, but having a plan. That is what is most important as you go into retirement. Having a plan and being able to stick with that plan, revise it as things happen and, and change along the lines. That's where the team at America's Retirement Headquarters comes into play to get started with your plan, 419-794-3030. One last time, 419-794-3030. You can always find them online, arhq.com. want to thank you, as always, for joining us, spending part of your day with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Please have a great week ahead of you. Guys, thank you, as always. And as we wrap up, want to leave you with the final word. Well, uh, thank you again, Chaz. Yep. Uh, I enjoyed doing the show with you. Um, thank all the listeners out there. Here's a little tip for you. Retirement is when you stop living at work and begin working at living. Uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, you can join us every Saturday at uh, 12 to 1 on WSPD uh, Talk Radio. Thank you.
America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.